podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Yet another Sunday where that referee gave us fuck all, but those players fought for their lives in that heavy Christmas jumper shirt. Let's lift the lid on another pot of podcasty delights. It's the Day Trippers. On tonight's show, we're joined by first-time guest Lee Mahadi as we chat about yesterday's FA Cup defeat to Howard Webb. We look forward to getting back to winning ways against Swansea in the league on Sunday. And we finish, as ever we do, with your listeners' questions. But before we start, a big congratulations from all of us here to one of our own, the hilarious Andy Young, and indeed to Mrs. Andy, on the arrival of their first child, Dara, on Friday. OK, we're very lucky to have a returning guest on the show now. Um, Roy Hudson, fresh from your boat trip in the Amazon. Uh, some pictures of you looking very sartorial, elegant, I think, um, it's fair to say. How did you enjoy that trip, Roy? Well, thank you very much, Trevor. Um, you know, I, I certainly enjoyed the trip out on the boat, and uh, I was very pleased that you picked up on my attire, because uh, it's something of a dilemma what to wear. The conditions are very, very much the same all year round, I'm announced, because it's an equatorial city in the Amazon, very, very hot and very humid, so uh, I was in two minds as to what approach to take, but obviously there was the classic staple of the Ray-Ban aviators, which is uh, always good in bright conditions. And uh, I decided to go for a collegiate look with, uh, with a striped Ralph Lauren shirt and then uh, formal slacks. And then I took rather a maverick approach by uh, donning a pair of night running shoes with them, somewhat in line with the fact that, uh, of course, the England team now are, uh, are, are a perilous to pride by Nike. So uh, I thought that that worked very, very well. And I was taking something of an unorthodox approach. And I noticed it's, it's a popular one with the young people in my house as well. So having rather put a few noses, noses out of joint with uh, my, uh, I think, rather misinterpreted comments about uh, Manaus being the last place we wanted to go for uh, climactic reasons, uh, I was keen to uh, offer something of an olive branch by uh, doing as the Romans do in Rome, if you will. Roy, you um, undoubtedly cut quite a, a dash out there, all right. What were the benefits of that trip? Well, first of all, I was able to speak to the mayor and some uh, some dignitaries to, uh, to explain my comments, which I thought were very much lost in translation. I know there was... Uh, there was uh, something of a negative reaction and I was misinterpreted with regard to uh, saying, as I said before, that uh, Manaus was very much the place we wanted to avoid. I had to stress, of course, that uh, despite my various travels throughout Europe with Halmstads, Malmo, Rebro, Neuchatel, Zamax, Odevold, uh, uh, Viking into Milan and uh, the Swiss national team and in, uh, elsewhere in the world with the United Arab Emirates and also Blackburn Rovers and the Finnish national team and Fulham and uh, a, a very unfortunate spell at Liverpool where I felt I was very hard done by. Uh, I wanted to stress that uh, Manaus is not a place I've personally visited and I want to stress that the, the, the only reason I made those comments was entirely for footballing reasons because of uh, climactic issues. And uh, I think it was a meeting that went very, very well. Roy, there, apparently you've been involved in setting up a football school out there, is that correct? Uh, that's correct. We've, we've taken steps towards uh, putting something back in, in honour of the fact that we're obviously going to be hosted in Manaus for, for our fixtures, or one of our fixtures. And so uh, something I was very, very keen to do was, was to set up um, a footballing academy. So we'll be looking there to try to uh, implement a, a certain amount of uh, English organisation and, uh, and defensive grit into the Amazonian-Brazilian style of football. So uh, it'll be very much an emphasis on two banks of four. And 
maintaining a good, solid, deep defensive line and then uh, looking for the long ball to counter-attack very much as I did with great success at Fulham with Bobby Zamora. Roy, you are a true gentleman. Thank you again for your time. You're very welcome as always, Trevor. OK, time to move on to uh, the game at the Emirates, uh, Liverpool's defeat to Arsenal. Lots of good stuff, um, some very bad stuff as well, obviously. We'll start off with the returning players who were making their way back to the first team. So who fared best? Danny Agger, it could be said, was culpable in both goals. He's a man who's under a bit of pressure, perhaps, given his age, his wage, and the fact that Sacco was looming there in the background. James Owens, I know that you have some uh, pretty strong ideas about Agger uh, and people who are rushing to judgment. Um, I mean, with regard to Agger yesterday, um, he doesn't really cover himself in glory for either of the goals, but I mean, it, it's his first game back after six weeks. You know, he's out sprinted by a fast winger in the run-up to the second goal, and it's kind of one of those things, that's not really a centre-back stock in trade, you know, could he have been on the move quicker, I don't know, could he have been a bit stronger, maybe, um, but I mean, I, I think with Aga, he, he's, he's kind of a strange one, he's almost the opposite of Skirtle in a way, in that Aga, um, Aga, we often sort of have a better defensive record with him in the team, you know, the stats suggest we can see less goals when he's in there, mm. whereas with Skirtle, it's like kind of the opposite, and we kind of lose more games with Skirtle in the team overall, um, yeah, Skirtle has these days where one versus one he can look he has others where he looks terrible but um, Aga very rarely looks a good one versus one defender you know he's not quick he's not strong he's not particularly good in the air his marking is sometimes quite erratic as well um, and he can be a frustrating player in that way the other thing yesterday of course he misses a very good chance when the, when the goal was gaping but I think longer term particularly you know not least because he's left footed I mean that's kind of a, almost a side issue really but obviously you know Rodgers has shown a reluctance to play him and Saka in the same defence. The writing's got to be on the wall there um, because he's, he's 30 in December. And I mean, this, all of this largely applies with Skirtle as well. He's 30 in December, big wages, gone a bit stagnant. And, you know, it's kind of the last chance to get anything close to a decent value for him. So I'd, I'd be surprised if he stays beyond the summer myself. Yeah. Um, Damon Flood, would you concur with that as a, as a man who's done a bit of time wandering around defences yourself? Um. I think yesterday, Agar, whether it's that to be in the, the layoff from the last couple of weeks, was looked a little bit sloppy. But like the fourth goal in particular, um, he was cut out positionally. Was um, like as soon as Sako go, or Sissoko goes to close the ball, like simple, he should be shifting across and closing that gap. But he doesn't. He kind of gambles that the ball's going to be lifted back in. Mm. It does get lifted back in, but it breaks to where he really should have been. Um, I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago as defending as a unit. When Sissoko moves, Agar's got to go and close that next man. And the next man there was Chamberlain. He doesn't. He stays and he kind of gambles that the ball's going to come in. But if he does his job properly in the first place, he doesn't really have the shot there to get away. I, th- I think that's a really good point. I heard some pretty, I thought, ropey criticism of, of, of Sissoko on that, saying, look, he goes to the ball, then why doesn't he get back to the ball? It was, it was pretty shoddy stuff. I mean, you're right, it is Agar's turn to step across, isn't it? It's a simple defending. We've all done it, and it's that magical kind of piece of rope if your yeah. full back goes your centre half goes and the other centre half goes he doesn't do it uh, that, that leaves the, the space down for Chamberlain when he does become free I thought he reacted very poorly as well even when the ball did break to him he seems kind of half thinking am I going to close him or not and he doesn't mm. react very quickly um, on the second goal I think he positionally picks up the wrong position for himself as a centre half he knows Chamberlain's going to do him for pace all day long so what do you want him to do come inside maybe two or three yards and force the pass out wide and don't let him play between the gap between Skirtle and Agar. you don't want him playing in that little hole so if you come inside and force the, the ball to be played out towards Chamberlain and then he can stand them up mm. but he doesn't he gives it the opportunity to become a foot race so the ball slid in and it becomes a foot race only one winner then and is there any uh, significance or any merit to the argument um, uh, that James is kind of touching on there about the fact that look he is only just coming back in and in fairness he was never going to match a kid like that for pace anyway well in that instance I think as he's coming to 30 he's around a long time he should be positionally better mm. there you know he, he should see what's happening there he knows how it's going to develop but he doesn't and he gets very tight to Chamberlain and he lets it become a foot race mm. you know just a little bit cuter just step inside three or four yards and that doesn't happen that ball doesn't get slid down in between him yeah. and Skirtle yeah. uh, and I think on the first one again that might be just because they've, uh, he's only coming back from injury but that's a basic yeah. like, if he sees Sissoko going he's got to go out as well that's a, just a basic so whether it's the injury layoff I don't know but yeah. He, he, he kind of has come up with a few days this season yeah uh, Lee Mahadi on the point of those two guys uh, we just mentioned there Skirtle and, 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 um, and Agar being 
potentially saleable assets in the summer, um, given that we don't have a whole lot of those, and it looks like we're going to have to get money in uh, to buy players. What would be your take on that? Um, which of them would be looking most likely if you think any of them are? Well, in terms of saleable assets, so not really. We do have a couple of those now, but not any that we'd actually want to let want go. Want to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> there's difference between saleable, you know. But um, I think that potentially both of them are in danger. I think that they're, you know, with Laurie probably coming back from Granada, where he, you know, well, considering how well he does, you know, mm. he made a great assist the other day, if I'm not mistaken, a big fucking yeah. 70 yard upfield ball. But, well, you got him coming back into a Sacco's, you know, going to be in there probably more, most likely long term, you know. But uh, as James touched on as well, both, both 30 in December, mm. both kind of stagnant. The opportunity's not really. They're like, uh, well, if you keep them, we don't really stand to gain anything if we keep them any longer and the, the rock sort of continues, you know. Mm. We've had a history of selling players at the right time, you know, like Torres and stuff like that, you know, and we, we, we actually had to make the decision whether this was either a bad patch or whether this was going to be something that was permanent, mm. like rain it as well, you know. Mm. It's probably, the jury's probably out at Napoli at the moment whether we've made the right decision on that yet, but uh, I think that if not both of them I think one of them will probably have to go probably. especially probably to make room for probably somebody new at right centre back probably long term sure sure um, on the topic of people who maybe weren't uh, what they have been previously uh, our front two um, in terms of end product a little bit off colour Damo would it be fair to say that both Sturridge and Suarez for different reasons now look Suarez was all over the place and <coughs> he looks just remarkable every time you see him he is kind of omnipresent. He's everywhere, but basically at the same time, he was a bit. There's something. There's something not quite right. I mean, whether it's some sort of fatigue issue, whether it's some sort of like uh, rustiness, or just going off the boil. Who knows what it is? What's your take on on the front two, and if there's anything needs doing there? We a couple of weeks ago when we we moved into that kind of three up front kind of system, mm. there was a bit of fluidity. What was going on there? They, they were kind of switching in, switching out. If if as I was saying, as soon as we lose the ball, the two wide men were dropping. Mm. The first time we done that was against Everton that I seen, and what it was was whoever was the two closest men to them positions dropped in, and one of the three stayed up top. But in the last two games, I've noticed that it's Sturridge just stays up top, and it's Suarez that's made do the, the the donkey work backwards yeah. to, to fill in. Yeah. Now I don't really like that idea as such because yesterday in particular, if you've got a team that's set up to defend against you, and they're going to sit deep. The pace of storage isn't always going to work. Maybe if you've got the little interchange between him and Suarez, you can get the trickery, you've got the pace, but to have just one staying up top, that that just made things very easy for Arsenal to deal with yesterday, where if you had just swapped maybe Suarez and storage early on, hmm. it mixes things up a little bit. Um, I think Suarez has suffered because of, of storage having that lone striker all up top. Hmm. Um, like Six games now in the spin without scoring, and this, this man was on fire. Uh, he's not getting as many chances as he used to. Mm. I, I would want to see him closer to the goal. And if that's by rotating and being fluid between the two of them, mm. so be it. But I, I think sticking with one sole striker isn't, isn't the way. This, it's not going to help Louis Suarez. Yeah, well, and that's what it comes down to, isn't it? Because you need to be, I think, a class of a mentalist to criticise Suarez uh, in terms of the effort he's putting in and to start you know, throwing his toys out of the pram because he's not getting goals in every game like he was previously. But is it something to do with how we're basically suiting our game towards him and what we should be doing for him. It, it's how we're setting up at the moment yeah. with what we have available. I, th yeah. I think that's what it is. And Suarez is doing a fantastic job at that, uh, whether it's affecting him in the long term, whether he's thinking, this isn't where I want to play or where I want to be. I want to be the man up top. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd hate to see in the summer him say, well, I've an issue kind of playing outside <laughs> and dropping deep and chase. I want to be up scoring goals. Mm. Um it's it's a much of a muchness at the minute. We, we, I, I would like to see them rotate and move around. Um, I, I don't like the idea of our storage just being the one sole striker. Yeah, it's probably a little bit predictable as well. Mm. By contrast, Lee, Raheem Sterling, pretty bloody magnificent. I think you'll agree. I mean, boss the wing, boss the full back when he went back there. Is he already packing his mankini for Rio, do you think? Well... You know, when you compare his form to some of the other wide men in England, you know, you'd wonder how the hell he could be left out. Yeah. But, you know, it would be a very, very fucking hodgy thing to do to not actually include him, you know? Yeah. Like, the way I'd have it now, going, you know, considering, like, you know, the usual faces that would have always been in the England side, you know, the likes of Ashley Young and everything, but let's, who, let's be honest, this fucking pony. Like, compare him, like, in with 
Hodgson has a chance basically to you know inject a bit of youth and a bit of exuberance into that England side. You know, so can you imagine more or less like say you know just for the Denmark friendly? Can you imagine someone like Sturridge playing in front of Rooney or whoever you want to start up top with with like say a trio of someone like Sterling on one side, Chamberlain on the other, Barkley in behind? Mm. You know. That's uh, that's the kind of thing that you know. Well, you'd hope that a lot of the England fans, I'm sure, would hope Hodgson would aim towards. Not fucking likely, mate. Not likely, mate. Not likely. But um, it's something England always do, though, isn't it? They always bring a, an eight-day lunching roll that kind of explodes onto the scene. When you go back, you look at Gascoigne, Owen, Rooney. They all kind of well, at a big well. tournament, <clears throat> big yeah. tournament, they kind of explode onto the scene. So I, I said it a few weeks ago. He was nine to one at the time. I said, "Boys, get it on." <laughs> and did you? I did. Good lad. He's, He's not going though. He's not going. Oi, Jas Hodgie. <laughs> Phil Casey's on the Hodgie hotline he knows what's going on back to Sterling for us then Lee uh, well tell me what you made of him when he was forced to, to make that switch and uh, in terms of the consistency of his performance for 90 I think he acquitted himself marvellously like you know like he was making a lot of fucking brilliant tackles down like when Arsenal broke down their left mm. you know I think he made he made a couple of vital like Gibbs he came across Gibbs a good few times and he fucking he took the ball out from under him at least twice mm. it says a lot that Arsenal had to make that change and bring Gibbs on to stop what Sterling was down on that side yeah. I, I, I thought we knew it was him by putting him back to right back I thought we lost something in our play I thought the change that we made was was good in concept but I didn't think it was executed too well I think Sterling was doing really well for us down the right, hand, right wing and I just thought when Henderson came on that we didn't have the same fluidity down, down that side I thought, Henderson, I thought Sterling did really well in going to right back and performing his role at right back mm. but I also thought we sort of lost a little bit of impetus down that right hand side by dropping him back into the right back position yeah well stay there for a second and talk to me about Hendo because um, everyone was screaming for the kid to come on and it would be fair to say and I'm a massive fan of this kid it would be fair to say they didn't have the impact that we would all have hoped wouldn't it on yeah, the day yeah no I, 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 I do think um, like people were screaming for Henderson to come on I was sort of thinking if you bring Henderson on it, I would have gone like for like with Coutinho um, to be honest with you because I thought Coutinho had a poor enough game um, on the day I didn't think he did much um, he got a lot of the ball in the in the final third but didn't really uh, execute much that was going on where we brought Henderson on and we sort of stuck him on the right wing and then we had it was a strange setup. I, I thought I wasn't quite sure where Coutinho wanted to play um, and I didn't I wasn't quite sure where Henderson was meant to play when he came on he seemed to find himself out in the right wing position but without the quality that Sterling had provided us through throughout the game so I, I didn't think I, I, the substitution may have been the right player but I didn't think it was the right system that he went into when he did finally come onto the pitch um, James Owens on Coutinho um, how did you feel he fared um, um, against Arsenal um, would it be fair to say that he was a little bit off his game or would there be reasons for that that you could highlight um, I think when you go a goal down um, it becomes a, a difficult game for a player like Coutinho I mean the um you know, statistics prove it. He's one of the best players in the, in the league at playing a through ball. Now, obviously, that, that would mean that you should still be capable of doing that against a team that's going to sit in its shell. But it obviously gets a lot harder. And, um, you know, he's picking up the ball, trying to, you know, fairly deep, trying to push on with it. And then, you know, he's, he's, he's got a mass of Arsenal shirts to try and pass the ball through. So that, you know, um, that's obviously going to make it more difficult. But I think that there's more of a general point, really, about our, our, um, our attacking play when we find ourselves going a goal down. Um, and, and not just that, but just generally the fact that the, the weaker teams in the league, they're always going to sit deep and, and, and be compact against you. And because of the weaker teams and they're not as good individually, they're not going to be as good collectively. And they're going to have to be, they're going to have to either play the game of their lives and possibly be very lucky on top of that to stop us scoring for 90 minutes. Over 90 minutes, they will do very, very well to stop us scoring one or two goals because, you know, we, we are that good attacking. Um, whether we're counter-attacking or not, but the danger now, and it's, we almost make you know, be, be, we could become victims of our own success, given what we did to Tottenham on the break, given what we did to Everton, and given what we did to Arsenal. The better teams in you know the big head-to-head games, where sometimes you really need the three points, are possibly going to be more inclined to take an approach where they say, right, well, you know, we don't what we don't want to happen to us. What happened, to, you know, happened against Arsenal with these, so we'll sit off. Now, when you do that, you know, tactics 101, you need to make the pitch wider. You need to make the pitch wide. You need to do it with quality in the wide areas. Now, because obviously that's, it's, it's harder when you're playing against teams that are individually better, better concentration levels, better individual um, defenders and what have you. That, to me, is why people can forget the kind of the sort of tentative talk that, hey, you know, maybe we might actually sign Sissoko because he's done all right defensively. 
for me, having Flanagan into Soko both at the club, and Flanagan will stay surely because he's he's, he's more than proved himself. He qualifies as homegrown. He's obviously you know got a, you know a great mentality, and he's versatile. He can play both sides. I don't think what, both of them is one too many limited fullbacks for me. You know. And, we're not going to be able to get, make the guy get any quicker. So if we're going to have Flanagan as a sort of a utility fullback, I don't think we can afford another one like Sissoko is limited because that showed up a bit against Fulham as well, but it also showed up yesterday. There's a lack of quality in the fullback outlet, and that's that can be a problem when either you're a goal down or when teams just want to sit deep against your better teams anyway. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, <clears throat> Floody, on our keeper of the day, Brad Jones, you'd have to say he was pretty damn impressed with the way he dominated the 18-yard box. Uh, we saw a keeper punching stuff and coming for stuff, which we don't tend to see with Mignolet. Um Is there something that the man on the bench could have looked on and learned from his understudy um, uh, on the day? Well, it, it's not really hard to say. We, we've spoke about it recently, about how Mignolet is absolutely nailed to his line for every single ball that comes in. Uh, Jones was very accomplished yesterday. I think most balls that come in, he dealt with airily. Uh, there was one he came for about near around panel spot, and he comes and punches clears. And that that's dealing with it and coping with it. Bit of stick came his way for the for giving away the corner. Um, he tipped one over the bar, but like he made up his mind early and he dealt with it. He got it over the bar. Yeah, that's, that's excessively harsh, isn't it? It was excessively yeah. harsh. I've seen a lot of stick coming from him that way. What I will say, and it, I might be right, I might be wrong in saying this. I think the first goal. We give out about Minelay not coming for crosses and doing things certain ways, but I think Minelay might have saved the first goal. You know, it wasn't it yeah. wasn't hit very hard. It wasn't wasn't really in the corner, but Jones just went the wrong way. Um, that's where Minelay is at his best when he when he pulls off a save. Like There's that. a lad champing at the bit to get in here, and he left. Not so much champing at the bit. I, 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 all I'd say is that. Yes, I agree with you. you, you you'd probably back Minelay to make one of the saves off the two shots that come in against us. Um, however. And agreeing with your point on the ball over the bar, you know, I know from playing the game the whole lot, you deal what's in front of you. It's it was a tricky, there are tricky conditions to play on the day. It's a ball that's dropping from a height. He's the the, the difference between taking it under the middle of the bar, in the middle of the goal under the bar, and being up against your post and under the bar as the ball is dropping. You tip it over, you deal with the corner, and we actually dealt with the corner. It's the, it's the phases that come after the corner which caused the actual issue itself. I I personally I thought Jones did really well. You know the, the shots on other days would have been could have been saved. It could have been saved by by Jones himself. He makes a fantastic save down low to at, at his near post in the game as, as well. And boy God, I I fucking loved the domination of the box boy. I'm like even the one where he judged to perfection where he came and punched the thing right at the edge of the box. Mm. It set set up counter attacks quickly, and it's been like one real criticism of Aminulay since he became the goalkeeper here is he doesn't even dominate a six yard box. And I'm not calling for Brad Jones to be our starting goalkeeper. I'm hoping, and I probably I loaded that question up in the agenda as well that I'm hoping that he's looking on, and I'm hoping that Brendan's looking on and saying. Do you know what, Simon, if you want to go to the next level, and I mean like you want to be a world-class keeper and you want to challenge Courtois for that number one jersey at Belgium, that's what you bring into your game. Mm. That's what you need to bring. And it's not just the punching. His distribution on the ball was phenomenal. Like, I mean, he's he was pinging passes and it's quick and it's fast and the ball was coming to him and he knew where his next pass was going. He knew where the player was moving into and he was hitting that space. The, the, the amount of times that we kept possession off his kicks was looked a lot higher. Now, I'm, I'm, I didn't look up the stats, so, but it looked higher than, than the way we normally do when we go to mid and long range kicks that, that are coming out. But again, as I said, Mignolet's sitting on the bench, he's looking at the game. I'm sure that he's taking it in, he's saying, and I'm sure there's words being had saying, that, that's your next step. That's your next level. You're a fucking... Phil, yeah. Phil, yeah. Does, uh, does Jones stay for you as backup? Uh, if he wants to, if he doesn't want to actually go somewhere and play football, would you keep him? It's 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 a tough one, James. I think he's been a great servant in fairness to him as as a number yeah. two at the club, right? And I saw I saw um, Andrew Beasley put out the stats that if you actually go for a like for like in terms of percentages ratio, he has better percentages than Reina at the club. But it's over a much smaller sample, obviously, because he hasn't played as many games yeah, as yeah, us, yeah. right? Yeah. But you know, th- there's a lot of value to be had in goalkeepers in the market and good young goalkeepers in the market. Um, and you could find you could actually you could probably go out and purchase someone for five or six million who would have the potential to go on and challenge Mignolet for, for the jersey it's it's what, what for me it's pressing needs and I'm looking at it I'd rather see a sign three or four real guaranteed first time starters <coughs> and not and not have a mass sell off come the end of the season because um, yeah. we're going to need a squad regardless of whether we're in the Europa or the Champions League and, and fingers crossed it's the Champions League and I don't think we need a mass sell off I think we need to build on the squad that we have and do a gradual replacement now over the next few years then go through a massive change and a massive transition again uh, yeah. Lee does, does, does Brad 
Jones stay for you um, next season as our support keeper? Do you know, man, when you look at the game like yesterday, Brad Jones, he truly played like a keeper who, he looked like a keeper who had been training under Brendan Rodgers for a fair bit longer than Mignolet did. It was, it was as if he was playing exactly the way that Rodgers would expect a keeper yeah. to play. And I think that, inst- like, you know, the the backup keeper market now, like, you know, if you're going to buy a keeper, there's good value there for a player who will start now. You see, but the like the, the backup keeper is a lonely, lonely ground. It is, you know, like they're they're going to spend most of the time picking splinters out of their arses. Like so, mm-hmm. if we already have Jones, is pretty happy to do that. And rather, like, would you rather say you had five million? Like, you know, we're not exactly a wash with money, you know. So if especially if we're going to have to sell the boy at some, you know, at certain points during the summer. Would you rather keep Jones, somebody who's actually already well, well, well skilled in Rogers' methods, rather than you know going out and trying to teach another lad how to do the exact same thing again? Let's be honest as well. How the hell do you replace Brad Jones's hair? I mean, that's just fucking that's magnificent. majestic, man. That is a magnificent. Even storms can't unsettle his hair. No, no. <laughs> it's like Mikel Arteta's hair as well. It seems like the hair of a fucking action man. It just never moves. Like it's like it's made of plastic. It's it's uh, it's actually strangely that you mentioned Arteta. I had no plans on really talking much tonight. But however, I've been drawn yeah, in. I've been drawn in by the debate. So I mean, oh, no. <laughs> um, but uh, coming back to what we were talking about, Coutinho and potentially we haven't talked about Joe Allen, but it, it's on the same line again. The midfield that Arsenal played against us was very much a two against the three that we had the day that we went out and played against them. And I think the bringing Flamini back in and Flamini and Arteta sitting there made such a difference to the way the Arsenal midfield could set up. Um, Flamini is much better at reading spaces and closing down gaps. And I think that's a, a, an awful lot of reason why Coutinho ha- didn't have as much of an impact on the game yesterday. Controversial um, point here now. I would literally say that Flamini was probably a more vital signing for Arsenal than Ozil was. I don't, I don't think that's... Uh, I think, that's I think that one, might be a little yeah. bit out of the left field. No, now, I, I don't. I think it's the one player that if, if you look at when people have talked about Arsenal over the last two or three years, they were looking for a real... Again, it's something similar that we're talking about ourselves, but a defensive midfielder with, with the, the tactical mouse to, to actually go. And, uh, I love a tactical mouse. <laughs> you can't get a tactical mouse. tactical new. To fill those gaps and plug those gaps. Like Again, Flamini did that for Arsenal before he before he, um, you know, before he left for Milan, and he's cut, they never replaced him, and they've come back in, and it's not surprising that Arsenal haven't their best season since since signing a, a proper defensive in his final season at Arsenal he was easily the most consistent player that they had they really should have worked harder to keep him I think there's, th- 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 there's that in it as well luckily Steve Daly isn't shit, here tonight he'd be fucking giving us a big toe just so he was bra- going, banging on about signing Flamini why aren't we fucking signing Flamini why aren't we signing Flamini would be a great signing for us I believe he got some abuse about Flamini and how shit Flamini actually was, if well, I recall at, at, that WhatsApp trend. At Milan, oh, at Milan, yeah. at, at Milan. Milan, okay. Yeah. Uh, Floody, tell me about our own tactical mouse, uh, Joe Allen. He, he can... Allen is not Henderson. And very good. No, but, <laughs> but what they, the they, 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 they asked him to do Henderson's role yesterday. Yeah. And he's not fucking able to. Let's just call it spade a spade. He's never going to do that. He's he's neat and tidy on the ball. He can link up play. He can kind of keep the play moving. But he'll never do what fucking Henderson does. And the, I thought that's where we fell down a little bit yesterday in the middle of the park. And saying that, if, if, if we look at the game overall yesterday, it's kind of it's great to look at where we are at the moment mm. that Arsenal had to set up to be the fucking defensively against us and hit us in the counter Fair, yeah. at home yeah. you know the, that, that's unheard of the, the Arsenal normally come and play home, their game they yeah. play their game yeah. and they inflict their game on you they were fucking terrified of us yesterday mm. now I, I said it the other day that this game will come down not to the starting 11 which everyone thought it would mm. It'll come down to who tactically gets it right. I thought Wenger got a spot on on the day, uh, bringing Flamini back in and playing us on the counter. And saying that they've only had two chances in the game, re- really good chances in the game, and they've taken both of them. Like, mm. if, if we, we fucking had loads of chances. But lads, let's take the first 20 minutes. Storage has two fucking guilt out opportunities. We, he scores them, and we're, we're back into Anfield, this, Anfield 5 1 territory again. That's what I mean, though. That, you know, and. and just wasn't to be on the day. I no, suppose. I suppose we said it as well in, in the lead up to the to the league match that between the two teams, whoever scores first in the, in those games, given that neither team had a great history of coming back from behind over the course of the season and, and going on to win games, that they're giving themselves a great opportunity to win the match and and so approved. Like your man, yeah, yeah, David Sano goals was just he's like <laughs> okay. The first goal, you did there. The, the first, the first, the first goal comes from him, right? 
but he was fucking appalling for the game. Like, like there was air shots and everything coming off. Andy Carroll esque. Like. Oh man! You, you obviously, you obviously didn't watch it. You didn't watch it on BT then, did you? Because yeah. Andy Gray was talking about how immense he was. Well, the, the, and Andy Gray knows for, football. For that fucker to be on television is a disgrace. Eh? James Owens, just to bring you in to finish this this topic off, um, he shipped an awful lot of criticism and um, did Joe Allen in the wake of that defeat yesterday. Um, would it be fair to say though that both himself and the team? in fairness, weren't half as bad as an awful lot of people made out. I, I finished that game, I turned it off, it was over, and I just went, yeah, good good performance, I'm happy enough with that. W- were you in the same boat, or did you have different feelings about it? Um, yeah, I mean, speaking for the overall performance, yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the consensus is I saw it. Well, in terms of the way I found, in terms of, you know, the obvious kind of you know barometer of Twitter, um, Jesus, depending on what we've yeah. all got, yeah, well, yeah. depending on what we've all got on our timelines is, I think people took a lot of heart from it because of the fact that, you know, we did, even 2-0, you know, we still looked like we could get back into the game. And who knows, maybe if, you know, we're not, you know, denied another clear penalty by a weak referee, just because he's given us a penalty a few minutes before and it's away from home and all that. Maybe the game is different. I don't know. Um, because, you know, we, we, we did, ultimately, you know, we defended poorly a couple of times. We had a little spell under pressure in the first half and... Arsenal scored in their spell where they were on the front foot, whereas we had we'd had two good chances before that, and a striker who scored in what seven or eight consecutive games mm-hmm. didn't, you know, and mm-hmm. you know our kind of uh, our, our most prolific player in recent times had an off day. Well, you know, I'd rather we had that off day in a cup game than in the league because as we've talked about many times the league and where we finish has got to be the priority. So no, I mean, I, I think we we play well, and it does show the progression of the team that we went away to a you know a tough opponent and. Um, you know, there's no shame in losing that game, and I mean, for a lot, you know, for, for 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 good spells, we were the better team, and we were on the front foot. But you don't, you know, you don't get, you don't progress through to the next round for that. You progress through to the next round for scoring more goals. So we've paid the price for profligacy and a bit of sloppy defending. I mean, as to Allen, I mean, you know, uh, Floody's right. He, he, he's not Henderson. You know, we do. You know, Henderson becomes such an integral part of the way we play. When there isn't that kind of dynamism and, and, and energy of Henderson, you know, we do miss it. You know, Allen's. Uh, He's a different player. I mean, he, he did get his head up and play one kind of quite Gerard S. ball forward for, I think it found Sturridge in behind sort of midway through the first half. But I mean, he doesn't, he's a different player. I mean, we've almost evolved a little bit beyond what Joe Allen's good at because of, you know, what Rodgers has got at his disposal in attacking terms. We don't look to sort of shake teams out of shape with a patient kind of side-to-side approach, which, which Allen is kind of ideal for. He's also ideal if you need to kind of kill a game to, to throw on a player like Allen. He'll just, you know, show for the ball and play a simple pass. And that's kind of, it's it's sort of the building blocks of a, having control. But he's not a, a he's, he's, he's not a direct Hendo he's, substitute. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's not as crash bang wallop as Henderson. Yeah. who's a bit more. I mean, the thing Henderson's got to add to his game. I mean, one thing he would probably never be able to do because if he can't do it when he's twenty three, it'll be difficult for him. He can't pick up the ball and turn with it, which isn't great in the middle of the pitch. Yeah. And then the the other, the other thing is. His goal return return this season isn't particularly good. And Henderson needs to improve there. Henderson needs to improve there. He's pretty good at everything else, but you know, he needs to improve his goal return. But yeah, Allen's a bit more of a. As I said, we're almost more of a direct team than than it suits Allen to be in now. So long term, that's an interesting question. But I I don't think he was terrible. But he's not really a player that kind of asserts himself. You know, just my take on on Joe Allen in terms of how he played yesterday. He he looked very much like a player who was coming back from injury. In terms of what he's good at, and, and the whole lot, and it comes back a bit like to the, to the Agar debate that, that we had at the start there, right? You know, he did a lot of good things. He did a lot of things that you'd expect him to do better on. Um, you mean rusty or, or wary? Yeah, yeah, no, wary of no, 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 not no. Wary, I wouldn't say wary of tackles. So he got remember when he got done as well. Twenty minutes in by Podolski. Mm-hmm. Like th- 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 that's the other thing. That was like, atrocious. That was yeah. a rotten tackle. And that was, didn't even give a yellow for it. Ah, uh, listen, I'm sure we'll talk about we, that. We, now, we will. Now, but <laughs> the, like, in, in fairness, right? The, you know, he looked like a player, and if you look at his second half performance in comparison to the first half performance, even though he he was integral in, in terms of some of the good chances that we made as well in the first half, he does step up a level again in the second half. And Alan always looks like a player that needs again a run of eight, nine, ten games to get fully into a stride to really give what what he's good at. And I think away from home, ideally, you would have Hendo and Alan with Gerard in terms of the midfield three that we have at the moment because they can just you know both of them are, are, are very good at pressing retaining the ball especially when we talk about like the likes of Fulham and the away games that we have 
you know, retaining possession and building and not getting caught so quickly in transition is going to be integral to us getting those three points on, on the road. And Coutinho at home, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah Coutinho at home. You don't need Henderson and Allen because we have the, we, you know, we've seen it the way we've played at home, the way even teams come and set up against us. We, we, you know, we can go direct, we can go, change it around and Coutinho is good at that. I just think having Coutinho or Sterling or whoever it is on the bench in away games like that, it gives us a real ace to play in terms of changing up the game for a half an hour, 35 minutes, where yesterday you were looking at it and we didn't really have that somebody on the bench. I know we brought Henda one, but we didn't really have that game changer, the game winner, that if you have Sterling or, 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 or um, Coutinho to come off the bench, they can really inject something different that we don't have. Phil, I was looking to touch on that like uh, well for a good while now, I was thinking. Uh, from what I've seen as well, especially in a 4-3-3, I believe Coutinho causes, in some cases, more questions than answers. Mm. I think in a 4-3-3, you've got players, like you, you have that you know that 1-2 kind of formation, where uh, that 1-2 pivot where you're looking for two, the two advanced players to kind of sit deeper occasionally. Maybe one kind of sits a little bit more, one will advance a little bit. I tend to think that Coutinho is usually the best when he is even further forward playing in that, you know, obviously the 10 role, you know. Yeah. But... Um, I think now, especially some of our best performances, especially like the the five nil at White Hart Lane, that came courtesy of and what I believe the thing, the platform that we built off in, the, in those games was the Alan Henderson pivot. I honestly thought that the best came from the pair of them. You know, you see uh, the, the subtlety that Alan provides, the ability to just take and release the ball like almost immediately straight on to the next man. Alan and Henderson played some wonderful one twos that game. Henderson's energy combined with Alan's ability and vision and stuff like that. Really? I thought that gave us a better impetus to go forward and retain possession, especially in an away game where you'd expect the home team to be coming at you. Uh, Floody, to finish this off then, would it be fair to say that unlike poor Danny Sturridge, you didn't shed any tears after that loss yesterday? Definitely not. Um, it would win the game. Of course, I didn't want to lose the game, wanted to go through. I think we all did. But if that had ended up a replay yesterday, it's another game on top of us. I, I said yesterday to, to the lads, if we can get through this game, win or lose, no fucking injuries, and look forward to Swansea next weekend. Yeah. Job fucking done for me. Yeah. Um, and we've come through the game once again. Uh, Agurus come back into the side. Alan's had a run. Um, we've played particularly well, I think, away from home. Uh, we didn't win the game, but listen, we Swansea next Saturday, and that's our fucking main goal, I think, now. Yeah. Yep, OK. I suppose we shouldn't let this game pass without mentioning that utter baldy fuckface Howard Ebb um, and I want to see like rather than just victimise the idiot right um, because he's he, he's a piss poor referee let's be honest about it right he just to me anyway he's just another in a long line of shite referees and in general it, it's not specific to England or English referees go around Europe this year and they're having the same debate in Germany about the referees the level of referees in Germany mm. the same in Spain that they get easily influenced you know things on their back and the whole lot you know, we Brendan took the fine for Lee Mason. Um, you'd like to think the amount of publicity that's coming out of of such bad decisions by Howard Webb in Liverpool matches that he mightn't ref us now till the end of the season, mm-hmm. um, without us having to even open our mouth about it. Because for once, the press seem to have jumped on the fact that this fella is a fucking con job when it comes to refereeing. You know, he, he like the. the uh, honestly, right? <laughs> this is this is you not victimising him. Go ahead, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, his reaction, his reaction to Sterling putting his hand on him. Oh, Fuck yeah, oh me. Wow. That was gold. Oh. That was, that would be on fucking Premier League years for. Oh. Oh, what a what a mincer. He, he pirouettes. A mincer. I, honestly, God, on a tweet, I thought he pirouettes like Macho Man Randy Savage used to do in the in the ring, right, with with his glasses on the whole lot, with the fucking eyebrow raised and the whole. I was like. Man, nobody even wants the camera to be on your stupid body head. Oh. Like, seriously, d- d- just fuck off. It, was like, <laughs> it was like silent era Hollywood, the little face oh. on him and the look around. It was oh. just hideous. It, Especially maybe, in slow motion on the replay as well. That made it even oh, worse. Like, worse just a slow motion Walter White deaths there. Like, oh. <laughs> is he as badly as, as there is? Or can you, like, let's, is he as bad? Let's, bro- let's if, broaden this out. I mean, uh, this is apparently England's best fucking referee. Like, if this chap is the best that England has to offer it. The refereeing profession is in need of a big fucking renaissance. But the reason we, we all know why he's not given that. The reason he's not given that is because he gave a penalty um, a few minutes before. So it didn't matter, you know, it didn't matter how fucking clear it is. It could have been handled on the fucking line. He's not going to give, he's not going to give, well, okay, that's maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but he's not going to give another one with the away team for fuck's sake. Yeah, not even not that, even much exaggerated, again, James. This guy, this is going to be a strong referee, right? He's made, like, like Lee said, he's going to be England's best referee. He's going to the World Cup again. This is the same guy who didn't say Nigel the Young off for, for a fucking karate kick. When <laughs> he, he obviously saw something because he gave a yellow card in a World Cup final. Well, you know, this is an endemic thing with referees generally, but, you know, you'd expect 
respect the best ones who are supposed to be quote unquote strong, like this big strong reputation, you know, Howard Webber's got, is to be above being as weak as the referee context. Which yeah. is the sign of a weak referee, isn't it, Floody and Fairness? The guy who, yeah. who's going who's gonna to respond to... It is, like somebody said, this fucker's gone to the World Cup next year. What happens, semi-final of a World Cup, he just gives a penalty, it's 2-1, and the same thing goes up, and I'm not giving a fucking other penalty here, lads. That'd be fucking absolute murder. Fucking wars over it. Like, yeah. it's, like how can you just call it? Just referee the game like you're supposed to referee. They talk about like bringing in video and all, and that's great. Help the referees out. Mm. Get the fucking simple things, Rick. Right? He doesn't get the same. He always has, every single game he does, he has one bad decision that fucking everyone talks about. And it's like he wants to be the fucking big man that's in the newspapers the next day. We shouldn't fucking even hear his name or know who the referees We're all slaughtered referees here. They all make mistakes. But how many of the referees yeah. out there we've had this season, Perton Mason and that fucker Webb, how many others are jumping out at us that have fucked us over? There's very few of them. Yeah. They get odd decisions wrong, but Mason and Webb have got fucking horrendous simple decisions wrong. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. Yeah. You don't mind getting a, a kind of 50-50 decision, not going your way, or, or somebody's died, or somebody's fell. Or, you didn't guess something. But get the fucking simple decisions right. Yeah. It's gone from looking like a mistake to looking completely fucking arbitrary. Like. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Timekeeping is another one when it comes to being arbitrary. I won't go on about this too long, but three minutes yesterday, three fucking minutes, there's been a go- two goals, right? which is about a minute each by the time everyone's got back into their house to kick off. There's been a penalty that takes about a minute to get taken. Aga was down injured at one point, wasn't he? Three minutes. Yeah. Do me a fucking favour. I mean, you know, you see that all the time as well with, with timekeeping in football. Piss poor. You know, they've got a referee trying to ref 22 players and try and keep time. You know, <laughs> fucking amateurish. Absolutely fucking amateurish. Can I just make one point on, on the referee yesterday? It's that fucking bollocks Podolsky. I swear he drove yeah, me. Yeah, should have been off. He, he made six tackles without getting booked for fucking one of them. He actually gave away the penalty as well. Yeah. Uh, I think he was up around seven or eight fouls, and one of them was fucking horrific. Like, two, of them. Yeah, two of them. Two of them. Two yeah, of them are cast iron yellow cards, definitely. And scissored Flanagan to the fucking ground at yeah. one stage, I believe. I think it was Flanagan anyway. But it was repetitive fouling. Like, he's six or seven, and he said two of them were stonewall yellow straight away. Nah, now, yeah. We're not asking for players to be sent off, but be consistent. Yeah. 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 Like, Gerard makes one tackle. One fucking tackling that goes in the book. Right, well, f- you finish this off. Yeah. Finish this off in this referee discussion by telling us, apart from Kalina, do tell us one. Tell us a good one. The, the, there's very few of them that stand out, but that's what you want. The best referees don't fucking stand out. You mm. don't see them. You don't, you don't. The game happens and they just kind of come in, they officiate, and they disappear. Let's uh, move on to our preview of Liverpool versus Swansea on Sunday. Uh, Swansea, bit of a mixed bag. They've got Inter um, on Thursday night before they face us. We really need to win this one, I think, lads. I think that's fair to say. Lee, uh, it's it's a must-win, isn't it? That's a must-win. Not a must-win. It's a bleeding must-make-a-statement. Like Especially, I expect it to take all that FA Cup frustration out on Swansea. I want I want to make sure that I left a Ford mess all over the floor. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want a big win, and you think it's... I'm hoping for a big win. Well, I'm yeah. fucking going, so I hope there's a big win. Like, yeah, yeah, well, when the Suarez will finally break this, uh, this little malaise of sorts that he's in at the moment. So I'm hoping for a good few goals. If you were and you are going to be standing there, who do you want to see um, lining out in the centre of defence alongside Skirtle, who's definitely going to start, Toure or Agar? Jesus, that's actually a tough question. Now. Yeah. I'm not really sure, but um, uh, for the sake, you know, um, Colo, I, Colo, I think like uh, I'd like I'd like him to remain as you know in the role that he was bought for as backup. If I think that I think uh, an opportunity like this, you know, a home game against Swansea, where we're likely to be the better team, we're likely to have you know more of the ball, have more of the impetus. I'd like um, I'd like Agat to line up out there, gain his fitness back, and you know, more, more or less his confidence. Like yeah. I feel like you know, uh, unless I don't really see someone like well, maybe I don't know whether Bonnie will give get them that many problems. Like I think he'll be a big physical presence putting himself about there. But I believe that the pair of them should be able to handle that attack from Swansea. I don't know how Steve the Pirate's going to fucking set them up, but like. Mm. Swansea be the only place for Steve. (laughs) (laughs) That's gonna take a while. Floody, in terms of the attack, do we shake things up a little bit? Uh, You know, uh, are the front three the front three, and we just basically leave it? That's the front three. Now, talk talk to me about what you talked to me about earlier on in terms of the interchanging and what you'd like to see there. I know, I know, you were saying basically not, not. Storage central all the time. The, the three of them have to have the fluidity, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, like, 
the, the system has been working fantastically well, but as soon as it becomes stagnated with one man up top, and that's the way it is, mm. it, it's, it's easy to mark. Everyone knows who they're marking. The centre-house know what they're doing. Like, it, it's storage. So straight away, like yesterday in particular, straight away Arsenal now, this is storage. It's going to be here to hold. Let's fucking just stand off a yard. Where if they get Suarez and you just even swap for 15, 20 minutes, yeah. it gives them something else to think about. Um, I, I just think, yes, in the Arsenal game it was a little bit easy. I'd like to see that interchange coming in again. And when we lose the ball, if we, if we drop back into the five, whoever's the two closest go in there. And be it Suarez, Sturridge or Sterling up top, that, that's what happens. And when we break, then we break in numbers, yeah. we, which we had been though. Yeah. I would like to say that. Yeah, uh, James, is it, is it probably fair to say that... Um we might be a little bit unwise to take Swansea for granted. I know they've got this big game on Thursday, well, comparatively big game in, in, in the Europa. Um, would it be would we be wise to be very much on our metal for this match? Well, I mean, they're um, like, like about half the league. They're in a relegation fight, aren't they? Um, yeah. But they're, they're not your typical relegation fighting team. They've obviously got a bit more, a bit more about them than that. You know, they're, they're, they have got a bit of quality. But, you know, we talked about is this a must-win game? Well, yes, it is because you know you look at the other home games we've got, and yes, those home games are opportunities to take points off teams around and above us, but they're also harder to win because you're playing better teams. And yeah. Swansea aren't one of the better teams who are, you know, judging by their league performance, they're not one of the better teams who are going to come to Anfield. You know, and if, you know our home form's good. It's, it's got to be a game we've got to look at. As you know, there's 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 no scope for slipping up with this one really. Um, and I think you know. There's, there's, there's really, you know, there's really no excuse not to be winning. You know, okay, they're not, they're not a terrible team by any means, but they are playing on Thursday. Um, that, you know, they're not in great form in the league. Okay, that might be broken up by the fact they've got a new manager, but uh, you, you can't really take it for granted against anyone. But in terms of looking at the fixtures we've got left out of the home fixtures, this, this, this and Sunderland really, you know, they look like the ones where you think, well, you've got to be winning those because we can't. In terms of just finishing top four, we can't legislate for kind of going and getting, you know, seven or nine points off Spurs, Chelsea, and City. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so you just you, yeah you got you got to take those three when they're when they're um, looking like they're likely to fill. My only yeah. my, my my key hope for this game, apart from winning the game, right, is that if Ashley Williams is fit, that Sturridge and Suarez tear that fucker a new arsehole, right? He mm. he he's annoyed the bejesus out of me since the since, little oh, cunt, since, since since before you know since the, the remarks about Suarez, I think mm. the, the, la, the last season, I just uh, even when we played him down in, in in Swansea, I just wanted to see him getting ripped to shreds, right? And I, I feel that Sturridge definitely has the skill set to, to to fucking do him all over the shop. And if if he has to contend without him and Suarez, I'd love Suarez to bury a hat trick and just do him about twenty seven nuts all ends up and fucking give me John Cena. You can't see me, Ryan McTiernan, love that one. You can't see me as, as he gets that the the hat trick and runs off in celebration, wave his arse or something. Robbie Fowler style at him and that works. Fucking, I just honest to God, I just want to see. I, I want to see Williams turned inside and out all day long. I want you to promise me that if uh, Sturridge does indeed do that, you will post a picture of you sky pointing, please. I will go full kit and do a point. Full sky kit point. wanker sky point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quality, quality. Floody, <laughs> uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, Swansea and the potential threat that they hold for us. Swan- Swansea play one way and one way fucking only they, they, they don't change it they, they, they don't tend to mix it up a lot uh, most teams that come and cause us problems at Anfield will, will sit deep they'll play the five across the and they, they'll let four throws go side to side and try to pick gaps these are fucking branded half the time they, they, their games are so open it's ridiculous it, mm. it, it, it's crazy the one problem they can cause us and it, it can be Shelby because he does make them late runs uh, to try to link up with Boney but we should still have way too much of this if this game becomes open I think we can fucking murder them, and that—that's yeah. that, being honest with you. Is, yeah. uh, and if they come and Detroit to be fucking this new team and play play Detroit frustrate us, I think we'll still fucking murder them because I don't think they're able to. The only any time I've watched them in the last three or four years is the same way. Like it's mm. we're, we're going to go out, we're going to play, we're going to take the game to you, mm. and you can't always do that. You can't always take the game to the opposition. My my only and contrary to what Lee said about Boney, I I, I rate Boney as a player, and I, I, we don't want to give him chances around the box because he is a finisher, right? No, I said I was unsure now. It yeah. wasn't. <laughs> no, but like I, he is a finisher, and he he. He scored again, like he he did damage against us when we played him in, in the first half of the season, and I just what I don't want to see is him getting clear cut chances in our box because he's the one that could score goals against us, and we don't want we just don't want to put unnecessary pressure on us. A, a nice clean sheet, I get more game time under his belt and take it from there. Do you know what I mean? 
we have a tendency to struggle with really rough housing forwards like that, you know, and especially Skirtle. Skirtle tends to get locked up in the physical battle a little bit, too, and once he gets a bit overzealous and he'll take his eye off somebody else. Yeah. Well, Lee, while you're, while you're on there, in terms of what we look like, it's probably fairly predictable. We, we, we've spoken a little bit about whether Agra starts or not. It's likely he does. Um, it's likely, obviously, Mig is going to come back. Um, the front three are going to be the front three. So the only scope, really, probably, for a little bit of changing about, potentially, is in the midfield, or is it? Do you, what, what, how would you see us lining up across the middle? Um, well, back to what we were saying about like you know the the choice whether do we play a four three three with Allen or do we play a four two three one with or not even a four two three one do we just like have Coutinho in there instead of him it's it's a it's a very, it's an odd choice to make it as I said because I believe that Coutinho because he's not quite a central midfielder like if, in the strictest sense I believe you can kind of end up throwing the midfield a little bit off balance if if we're Especially the team against Swansea, you'll play a lot across the middle, especially somebody like the Guzman as well. The Guzman has a good bit of energy, he gets around and stuff like that. So I think I'd like to see I'd like to see Alan reintroduced to the side in a way, like and then as and as Phil touched on as well earlier about having Catania to come off the bench at some stage as yeah. well. Yeah. I think that you know not be, be a bit less predictable, you know, like say like have them have them on at the start and then if you know if it's not working one way or the hell, if we actually if we get a couple more goals, or if we get a couple of goals in at the start, like maybe sw- switch it up a bit later on, like give Henderson a rest. I know he's struggling with that broken wrist and stuff like yeah, that. So yeah. it'd okay. be good to just have a bit of rotation in there. Sound, sound. And James, just briefly on this as well, um, uh, how do you see that midfield uh, lining up? Um, I think Henderson will come back in. You know, he had that wrist surgery, didn't he? But if he was if he was okay for the bench and sort of twenty five minutes against Arsenal, half an hour against Arsenal, yeah, he should be fine for that. Um, I think. I, I would I would expect to see the same sort of thing we've seen up until, but not including Sunday. So you know, Gerard uh, Henderson and and uh, Coutinho. Uh, you know, take Lee's point, mind you, about the idea. You know, could Coutinho be a good impact sub? I mean, I actually think if if Johnson is kind of on his way back, he could be a good impact sub if we can need to break the deadlock. I mean, yeah. we, we've not really found ourselves in that situation too much in home games. And I mean, as Floody said, you know, Swansea aren't necessarily. They're not they're not a side who are necessarily great at being compact and disciplined because it's sort of not their thing. It's not kind of in their DNA. Loose. But if, if if we do need to kind of push on for goals against them in the last you know twenty five thirty minutes, I actually think Johnson from right back could be a good sub. He'd be coming on fresh, and uh, he obviously gives us that bit more quality that I was talking about before in wide areas, which obviously we has been masked by our counter attacking performances, but which we do lack. But I mean. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with the same the same thing in terms of the midfield three myself. Fair enough. And while you're on, uh, your prediction? Uh, uh, Liverpool three, Swansea nil. Very nice, Floody. I'll, I'll go with James as well, uh, 3 nil as well. Yeah. 3 nil Liverpool. Lee? Probably 3-1. I still think that we still have that potential as to concede that one stupid goal. I believe the attack will overcome it, but I believe the defence probably will. In the end, it'll start doing its utmost to fucking undo all that good work. OK, Phil Casey. I'm going for a, a, a bit of a Brendan twist on the starting eleven, Go. and Sterling starts at right back, so he can play Alan Coutinho, Henderson, and Gerrard in the same team. That's very Brendan. Um, and Sissoko probably misses out with Flanagan playing at left back. Um, and my prediction will be five uh, 0 win to Swansea. <laughs> Thank Christ for that. Okay, um, right then. Okay, on to the final part of the show now, and this is your listeners' questions. First one is from Ger Pritchard. Um, I think this is Ger's first one in for us. He asks, what was the last movie that you pretended not to cry over? I know for me this is Up, uh, which I watched with my daughter, and when they were putting the money in that little pl- uh, jar... I wonder how many aren't going to be cartoons going on anyway. <laughs> I, I was in fucking bits. I was in bits, I have to say, and I was doing my damnedest to, not to, to shed a tear. Floody? I've become a fucking blubbered mess now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, since, since my third daughter was done, fucking anything I'm fucking balling at. I don't know what the fuck's going on. There was a fucking one there, the, the, the Big Daddy with Adam Sandler, when the child's getting oh, fucking tired. <laughs> <laughs> Big Daddy with Adam Sandler, what? I'm fucking crying at that when the old was getting fucking tears in my eyes now. To be fair, most Adam Sandler films make me fucking cry. <laughs> <laughs> they should weep for the human race. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking gone brutal for them, I swear to Jesus. <laughs> James Owens, any film make you cry recently? Um, I don't seem to find myself watching films in the company of other people. Uh, that sounds bad, that sounds like I'm talking about pornography. <laughs> 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 well, did you did you do any solo crying? He, he, he bores the blood vessel. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I mean, generally, if, if a film makes me cry, I'm I'm normally in circumstances where I can just fucking cry away because there's, there's no one there to feel stupid in front. Of me. <laughs> Fair enough. It's a very sad picture of my existence. That does. Phil, any any movie make you cry recently? 
Rapun- uh, Tangled. Why did, how, how the fuck did a comedy make you cry for? It wasn't a comedy. It was Isn't it? No, it was. It is a comedy. It is a comedy. That's about Rapunzel. <laughs> What's sad about that, for fuck's sake? There's a, there's a bit in it, right, where um, uh, Errol Ryder disappears off and she thinks he's, he's um, gone off with the crown and she's very upset about it. And they're on the boats and there was all this emotional music and stuff. And it just, just, just touched me. Fuck me, you've got those of the floodies there. <laughs> Uh, right, next one. It's the deal having daughters, man. You, you, you get in touch with your feminine side. There you side. go. The three of us who have all been crying like fucking Egypt. Um, right, next one. Jesus, you should have seen me at my wedding. I found a speech. I only got about five minutes into it and I fucking opened up the waterworks. It was worse than the storms we're having. Like, seriously. My missus had to cut up and, and do a speech instead. She said I was a fucking mess trying to do it. You were crying on my fucking wedding. <laughs> Yeah, well, mate, that means you are gone with your beard forever. <laughs> Broken hearted. Broken fucking hearted. Uh, next one is an interesting one from Helen. This is at Red Helen 1, and she's wondering on your travels, I presume she means Ireland, abroad, wherever, where have you got the best meals at the best prices? She adds as well. Value conscious uh, listener here is Helen. Mate? Well, where have I got the best prices? Uh, it was when I was in Morocco, actually. When I was in Agadir in Morocco, I was in the biggest open-air market in Africa at the time. And if you wanted to get something to eat around the place, they don't strictly have restaurants in this market, they don't. They have a little shady alleyway where you walk down to about... <laughs> you had that at Dublin as well. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't get food in there, <laughs> Yeah, but, but they are the best prices. <laughs> <laughs> fucking allegedly allegedly <laughs> uh, next one's from Kieran. Uh James Owens if you could do a face off in other words swap faces with anyone else a la the movie who would you do a face off with um, as long as I could swap hair and facial hair as well I'd swap with Yanis Philippakis the uh, uh, vocalist oh, and guitarist Foles. from the band Falls yeah, he's yeah. just an unjustly good looking man and it fucking <laughs> makes, me, makes me bitter makes me bitter he's younger than me as well which just fucking tops it off right but, you know. right. so you'd like to you'd like to walk around as Yanis for the day okay fair enough Flo- yeah yeah Floody who would you face off with Oh, it'd have to be David Beckham. He's just a fucking peach, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is a good-looking man. He is a good-looking man. I mean, you, you get better as you get older. You just have to, won't you? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you have to. Yeah, I would too. Uh, for, that's that's a fact. Face off. <laughs> uh, right. Next one. Next one is from Molly. Um, this isn't so much a question as a fucking order from Molly, where he says, "I want you each to pick a number for the Euro Millions, and then I'll do them. And if I win, I'll buy you a Magnum each." Now. Molly doesn't specify what kind of a fucking magnum this is. Yeah, that's really <laughs> whether important. It's, the details. Whether it's ice cream or champagne I'm or a fucking gun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping it's a gun <laughs> for a Scarface moment some night in the pod. <laughs> uh, Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Mexican standoff around the table. Uh, right, next one is uh, sixteen. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Pick a number. What's what's the limits up to what 40 was? I don't know, just pick a number. Okay, 23. Floyd. 46. 7. James. Uh, 17 in honour of Maxi Rodriguez. Right, next one up is from Sean. Uh, Sean asks If you could be any piece of either equipment or infrastructure at Anfield, what would it be and why? Probably a few obvious shouts, or maybe not. Anyone want to jump at this one? Uh, anyone got a sensible answer for me <laughs> that I can actually use? No. I'd be I'd be the seat that Roy Hodgson sits on. <laughs> I'd get that bastard. <laughs> if you were the seat that Roy Hodgson sits on, you'd be free. You'd be a free seat in the director's box. You'd break on him. Yeah, I'd break him. I'd, 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 I'd purposely commit suicide as a seat <laughs> just to have a picture moment for Roy Hodgson. Roy Carlos the Jackal in the Amazon Hodgson. <laughs> Okay, uh, next one is from Marco. Marco asks, what is the coolest non-European nationality that you've come across? I like the Mexicans. I like the Mexicans myself. And and the the Brazilians. I like the Brazilians. Why why would you go with those? Why would you go with those? Um, Why are they cool? I was in Mexico and I... Genuinely, they are seriously nice people, and they're good crack. And they sold some wicked cigars when I was over there, and I sat there and had a great conversation with them, sipping a, a brandy and, and chomping on a monster cigar. So, uh, great, great times. Excellent, um, excellent. Bloody, any particular nationality that you find uh, very cool indeed? The, 
there was a bloke I was dealing with about two years ago in, in a job that I was looking after and he was from Iraq he's a fucking absolute kill fucker come strolling in this this white suit fucking big fair shades on him fucking driving a Ferrari absolute kill fucker <laughs> swear to god and we sat down and we were talking all about doing business and okay we have to get this in place and bank guarantees he goes fuck it I'll pay it in cash ah. that was it that was <laughs> fucking oh, fuck yeah, oh, that's I, pretty I, sad he, said, he, he was saying like, we need bank fuck it I have in the boot pay cash <laughs> he's a kill bastard uh, Mark asks did the LFC monkey have its knife stolen when fighting the Arsenal bear <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It had it, it was replaced with a spoon. With a spoon. Yeah, the LFC monkey had had a spoon on, on Sunday. A wooden spoon. A wooden spoon. Lastly, then some admin. The HJC Cup in Ireland is on March 22nd in Astro Park. Details on our timeline. More importantly, will be the auction for the HJC on the night. So keep watching for more information and details on that. Watch our timeline. Big thanks as always to Johnny Rep. You heard at the start their new single, Give. It's out now. It's fucking magic. Get on it. You can follow all our news and views on our smart field, which is at Liverpool Ways, run by Cole Turley. Get following that account. And if you want some excellent articles, get down to Moley's www.beyondthecop.com. You can find my own writing four days a week on liverpoolofside.sbnation.com. You can subscribe to Everything Trippery on Podbean, iTunes, or via any podcatcher on Android. Any of your day trippers tonight were Alima Haddy, James Owens, Damien Flood, Phil Casey, and myself, Trev Downey. Get in the fucking towering inferno, you shite in the bucket, Howard Webb. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Study, study, study. Been listening to the day trippers for the last hour or so, yeah? DJ Damon with you for the next hour or so. I'll give a big shout out to Hatches, Septic, Anton Vomit. Cruising around the glands around Blanchestown. Living the dream, boys. Discover the new 3-Step Pro Partial Range, specifically designed to clean your partials and remaining teeth in three simple steps. Clean your partial, strengthen your natural teeth, protect your whole mouth. Stand up to further tooth loss with Polident Pro Partial. Available at Walmart. People say treat yourself like you need a reason. But McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. Like bold McCafe iced coffee. Get any size for $1.69. Or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something-something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Sports Social Podcast Network.